Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Jack, with you here on Well, 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 talking HIV and COVID-19 self-testing after a surge in COVID-19 cases across the country at the start of 2022, rapid antigen tests or RATs became a key tool for states coming to terms with the Omicron wave. We'll dive a bit more into COVID-19 testing down the track, but uh, to first discuss the only, uh, to my knowledge, Australian-made HIV self-test kit, we're joined by uh, Atomo Diagnostics CEO, John Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on Well, 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 John. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, so I guess talking about that HIV self-test kit, what are some of the current barriers to HIV testing um, that led to, say, Atomo to develop uh, a self-test kit like this? Yeah, we, we originally developed the test primarily for deployment in in Africa. So we partnered uh, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Global Health Fund to uh, bring a, a test to the African market that was easy to use, particularly among low literacy populations, uh, obviously a very big unmet need in Africa for accurate point of care and home testing. And uh, we launched that product first in South Africa and then in Europe and then only more recently in Australia. I guess, uh, how do self-test kits help try and address some of the barriers to HIV? Because, I mean... It- Obviously, you uh, mentioned you developed it for um, a market outside of Australia. Um, yeah. What sort of reasoning was there to bring that test kit, um, given there was no uh, precedent, I suppose, for a product like this in Australia? Yeah. Why, I mean, why bring it to Australia? Yeah, so the, un- the unmet need in Africa, there's a, there's a lot of countries in Africa, a lot of cultures in Africa where it's not okay for, for, for men to test for HIV, uh, you know, particularly if they're married. Uh, you know, why do they have to go for a HIV test? They don't like turning up at their local clinics. There's a lot of stigma uh, in some countries like Uganda. You know, it's, 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 it's criminalized. So I think there was always a need for a discreet, reliable way for, you know, for, for, for high-risk men and, and also in African context, a lot of heterosexual, you know, sex workers to, to test discreetly and safely away from sort of stigma and, and government overreach. They've been distributed, you mentioned, in a number of countries across Africa and Australia. Where else have you seen um, reasonable take-up of these tests elsewhere in the world? Yeah, so the other main markets where we sell uh, in Europe, we, we sell in the UK and Germany. And very recently, our partner there launched into Eastern Europe, uh, where there's, there, there's, 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 there's HIV and hepatitis infection uh, in, in the community were largely undiagnosed, well, largely undiagnosed compared to Australian diagnosis levels. Uh, so, yeah, so Europe, Africa, more recently into South America, and then obviously here in Australia. Is stigma really one of the biggest reasons? Um, you said that there's lower, um, a, a lesser understanding of, of how much HIV spread there is. Is that mostly down to stigma in those regions as well? 
Yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's a combination of stigma and convenience, right? So people don't want to go to facilities for 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 you know cultural reasons, but also a lot of people don't want to go and you know book an appointment and queue up for two hours to get a test and then get the results five days later if they can do the test at home and get the result immediately. So there's a convenience factor that encourages more testing, and we know that people who self-test test more often than people go to facilities because there's less, there's less of a barrier to doing it just in terms of time and convenience and, and energy. So we think that home testing increases overall rates of testing, which, which is important. And then I think most recently through the pandemic, there's been a, a measured decrease in HIV testing in Australia and other countries. And that's really because a lot of healthcare facilities were turning people away, facilities were on lockdown, people were on lockdown. So getting to a facility for a test became much harder. And, you know, that's, again, where self-testing can keep testing rates up even if facilities aren't open. How long have these self-test kits been around for um, when you first developed them for that um, African market? And, and also, how long have they been available uh, in Australia? Yeah, so we first launched in, in South Africa about five years ago. Uh, and we got TGA approval and listed on the ARTG uh, a couple of years ago in Australia. It's the only test that has been approved by the Australian TGA as a self-test, but the TGA placed a number of very onerous conditions on the supply. And one of them, we can't, we couldn't at the time supply into pharmacies, and Australia was the only country in the world where we could supply the product to market, but weren't allowed to sell it through pharmacy chains. And we also weren't allowed to to advertise it or even talk about the fact that it had an approval. So we were in a bit of a catch-22 where we had an approved product, but we weren't allowed to advertise on social media. We weren't allowed to really encourage uh, the use of it, which, you know, was totally, to our mind, totally contrary to the whole point of getting the test out there. And we did a survey at last year's Mardi Gras. Less than 10% of uh, people at, at, at a particular event knew there was a, uh, a test available and approved in Australia. So we went back to TGA in partnership with, with AFAO and ACON and said, look, you know, this, these prohibitions on advertising need to be relaxed. We need to be able to let people know these tests are available and they've got, you know, approvals and they've gone through quality control because otherwise people are just bringing in any old rubbish over the internet from overseas with no quality control at all. Was there any sort of uh, understandable reason why the TGA had those onerous um, requirements around communicating that these tests exist? Like, why why were you forced into that situation? Um. They, they are they are known to be conservative. Mm. They, they 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 are less adoptive of point of care testing and new technologies more broadly. Australia is not an early adopter of new new, new techniques and new technologies. Uh, there's a lot of clinical pushback because clinicians want uh, people to go through the clinics because they've got more control, more oversight, more traceability. Uh, and while I get all of that, you know, the other side of the coin is that with that oversight and traceability you know, there's a barrier to people testing and testing rates through facilities are not are not increasing. And, and if we want to test more, we need to make testing more convenient. And I think that the COVID experience has, has taught the healthcare system and the government and the regulators that that people are educated and, and, and responsible and can start to take more accountability for their own health. And I think, you know, if, if, if the pandemic's done one thing for, for HIV testing, you know, in the short term, it's impacted testing rates. But over the long term, I think it's, it's, it's opened up home testing as a much more viable way for people to manage their own risk and their own, their own health care. 
On that point of care you mentioned, um, there's that pushback, I guess, um, against home testing. How have you gotten medical professionals informed on what these tests are, what relevance, what importance they have versus, I suppose, more traditional lab testing? How's it been trying to have that dialogue with the industry? Yeah, there's been there's been there's been an unwillingness to have that dialogue because the pathology you know industry's got a lot of influence on on what testing policy gets adopted in Australia and what and there's a natural preference for lab testing mm. with with that with that sector and you know again we saw that with you know the PCR versus rapid test COVID uh, issues that 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 are similar in in, in terms of structural issues for rapid testing. But I think there is an awareness now that these tests have a place to play. They're quick, they're cheap, they're reliable. You know, our HIV self-test is validated by the World Health Organization at 99.8% and in Australia 99.6%. So, you know, they they work well when when the tests are done properly. And, you know, I think they've got a place to play in allowing people to to screen more often, particularly high-risk people who maybe don't go to a facility as, as, as regularly as they should. And home testing allows them to do some additional testing between facility visits. It's not just uh, educating, I suppose, the workforce. It's about educating consumers or, or making sure that they're informed. And as much as you said that, you know, people are willing, and as, especially after the last few months we've had here in Australia, people are a lot more aware of home testing. What are some of the challenges in keeping um, consumers educated on, on how to use them so that they don't have, say, an invalid result? Yeah, I mean, the beauty of the Atomo device is it's all integrated, so we don't have this sort of bits-in-a-box format. So it was designed specifically for self-test users, so it's got less steps, less variability, less errors. So it's a much more kind of user-friendly way to test. But but outside of that, I think the big the biggest barrier is the fact that at the moment in Australia, people who want to test at home have to pay for that. They have to buy that test. Now, you know, there's a lot of studies overseas have shown that the government handing out home tests encourages earlier diagnosis, less transmission, and, and saves the, you know, the public purse money over the longer term, as well as obviously having less people infected and people who are infected less impacted by disease before they get diagnosed. So there's clearly a public need for more testing. And I think the challenge in Australia is that the government are very reluctant to reimburse rapid testing, which means that, you know, it's a, it's a user pay model and that obviously stops a certain number of people from, from, from testing because they, they don't want to spend the money. And, you know, I think it makes no sense that you can go into a sexual health clinic and get a free HIV test, but if you want to do it at home, you've got to pay for it. I mean, if, if the government subsidizing one, surely they should be subsidizing the other because they're both cost-effective and over the long term they both add to the, 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 the benefits of, of public health. You mentioned there that, I mean, Lab testing is is subsidised to the point where, you know, people are going to get PCR tests, at least um, over the last year or so, they haven't had to pay. But as far as reimbursements go, say, if you went to, painting a picture here, if you end up going to a pharmacy to get a rapid HIV test, I imagine that a lot of people might jump to, oh, okay, the way that I'd get reimbursed would be via Medicare. But when you're looking at something like HIV self-testing, potentially for at-risk patients, Particularly at risk uh, demographics like culturally and linguistically yeah. communi- uh, culturally and linguistic diverse communities, um, they might not have as as much of a coverage of me- of Medicare. Are there any? Uh, is there any precedent for reimbursement through other means? Yeah, I, I actually think for things like 
for, for reaching you know hard hard to reach cohorts and mm. those cohorts, I actually think doing it outside of the Medicare re- reimbursement system is probably better and more viable. Mm. I think there are groups like you know Acon and others who have access and communications with those types of groups, and there's no reason why the government should you know couldn't buy self tests, give them to the right types of agencies and, 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 and community groups to help with distribution awareness and education and through those groups there's you know links to care for you know confirmatory testing and 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 treatment. So so I, I think it doesn't have to be done through reimbursement. It could be done through, you know, free handouts, you know, not dissimilar to, you know, if you're over fifty you get the ball screen test. The government, you know, hands them out for free. The, the same thing should be happen happening for HIV and I'm not saying Everybody needs to take one, but certainly there are cohorts of high-risk people that, that, that need to test more regularly, and the government should be helping get tests to those people, not expecting to pay you know, money for, for a test that really should be covered under public health. You mentioned earlier, John, that uh, these tests have um, faced some difficulty in being rolled out to pharmacies. Uh, how have people been able to access these um self-test kits up until now. I understand that they're beginning a limited rollout in pharmacy, but where else have people, people been able to find them? Yeah, up, up until, yeah, so, so now, now that there's been a relaxing of, of conditions, we are working with, with some specialist pharmacies in some of the inner city uh, and urban areas and also offering sort of, you know, e-commerce based mail out to regional uh, patients who want to test but can't get to a pharmacy. Uh, I think through the Mardi Gras, period we'll be looking to increase awareness more more broadly and to have you know groups like uh, Acon and FAO you know assist with that because they you know they, they are sort of engaged with the community in a way that the Tomo you know as, as the manufacturer of the test just can't just can't you know engage with us directly so you know we're really open to feedback if there's better ways for us to let people know about the test how easy it is how reliable it is how uh convenient it can be to test regularly, then, you know, we're certainly keen to get feedback from from the community. Looking at different projects around the country, um, such as, I believe, Queensland Positive People um, have a vending machine program, uh, the Connect Project in um, South Australia, pilot project as far as vending machines dispensing um, these self-test kits. Do you, if if you're willing to, to speak to this a little bit, how important do you think it is to have programs like that reach out to to demographics that might not necessarily be able to get to, say, even when the pharmacy rollout is a bit more widespread, yeah. how important are the programs like that? Well, I think they're critical because, you know, this is a new a new type of testing service. It's mm. a new product category. People aren't familiar with it necessarily. So I think awareness is the key. If people don't know that they can test at home, how are they ever going to go about trying to, trying to do that? I think awareness is, is, is critical to, you know, starting a conversation around how home testing can be used not instead of going to see your doctor, but, you know, between visits potentially to, to see your, your sexual health physician or, you know, maybe tests can be discussed peer-to-peer and, and, and through word of mouth and on social media. I think those types of programs are, are critical to generating better awareness. As of recording, we're uh, a little bit off of Mardi Gras uh, happening in Sydney. You mentioned earlier that Acon will have uh, some involvement with the tests at Mardi Gras. Um, can you speak to us a little bit about what that might look like? Well, there's, there's, there's different, we're still in discussions with a number of different groups around how best to support it. We're not, you know, we're, we're not going to turn up, as the manufacturer, we're not going to turn up and sort of say, look, we're, we're at 
Mardi Gras. We know Mardi Gras is a community event, not a corporate event. But but we are supporting partners that want to talk about self-testing. We're happy to you know provide samples and just make sure people are aware of the programs in place and how to access the tests. And again, you know, if the community's got some feedback on how better Atomo can engage with 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 you, with you know people that want to test, then we'd be really happy to take that feedback on board because it is a new category, uh, and we're you know we're trying to work out the best way to do it. And that's the organic process and feedback critical to that. You mentioned earlier that, you know, the way that you're rolling out to or the way you're communicating with uh, community pharmacies, you mentioned a lot of, I guess, smaller scope um, rollout. Why isn't it, um, I, I guess, what are some of the challenges in having the conversation with bigger pharmacy or chemist chains in rolling out I, products like this? I, I, I think I think the, ch- the challenge there is that, HIV testing is not seen by a lot of the pharmacy chains as kind of required by everybody or, or necessarily the type of test that, that, that sort of the average suburban pharmacy needs to stock. Uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, the common feedback we get is that compared to COVID, wherever these tested, this is much more niche. So I think there's, the, you know, and also for them, it's a new category, so they're not exactly sure which types of pharmacies would sell it, how often it would, would be asked for, and again, people aren't asking for it because they're not aware that it, it exists. So I think it's a bit of a chicken and egg. The more people that know about testing and the more awareness there is around the ability to self-test, then the more people might go into the pharmacist and ask. And then, you know, as public demand requests it, these pharmacy chains will be much more likely to talk about, you know, ordering it because they'll see the demand there at the moment. They don't know that demand exists. Atomo Diagnostics also uh, produces, I, I believe, a COVID-19 rapid antigen tests. Um, earlier, you mentioned that um, Australia has quite a strong um, reliance on lab testing. What reasons would there be for that compared to, um, especially in a, a number of European countries and, and North America, we see that rapid antigen testing or proper, like, you know, proper rapid testing, I guess, was a lot more widespread far earlier than it was in Australia. Why do, does Australia have such a reliance on lab tests? Uh, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's historic to some degree. A lot of the pathology services came out of public hospitals and they were based around large, you know, lab, lab processes that were used to running automated high-throughput lab equipment. In the last, you know, 15 years, the market. In, in, in a lot of other countries has moved on and point of care and rapid testing has been adopted as giving, you know, near side results, more immediate results, pharmacy and at home results and, you know, have started to get a lot of adoption over the last ten years and obviously COVID's the latest example of that. But, you know, I think Australia has a pathology service that works well most of the time. The the, the pandemic clearly showed that uh you know, it, it gets to a level of demand for it's under strain. But I think the structural issues relate again more around to reimbursement. You know, if you know, there's no reason why the government should be reimbursing uh, a private company, you know, seven eighty dollars for a PCR test, yet not reimbursing a rapid test mm. for fifteen dollars. I mean, that doesn't make sense economically, and it doesn't make sense from a public health response perspective because clearly rapid testing has and still, you know, had and still has an important role to play in, in testing in certain channels. And, you know, there, there wasn't really a, a dialogue around what that might look like 
until it was too late, really, in terms of the, the response time to, to, to Delta and Omicron. Can you walk me through the timeline, I suppose, of when Atomo Diagnostics had a rapid COVID test developed and then how long it took to reach um, overseas markets and then the Australian market? Yeah, so we, we initially supplied products into France and then the US and, and then Australia more recently. Uh, we did have approval in Australia quite a while before we actually started to see demand. And I think that was because even though we had approval from the TGA, the public health policy from the state governments was anti-rapid testing. And they were uh, not, not advocating the use of rapid tests even when they were approved by the TGA. So that, that, that made it difficult because there was an approval there but no actual public health demand. And it was really the private sector that we first saw adoption from because the corporates were seeing, you know, what their peers were doing overseas. So we were starting to supply aged care groups. Uh, a lot of the, the theatres and film production companies were screening their, their, their staff to keep their production sites open. The miners then started screening people going in and out of Perth Airport to manage their risk. And, and really the government came quite late to the party after the corporates had already, you know, taken rapid testing and run with it. And it was really, I think, only the, the Omicron outbreak that really, you know, I suppose, changed government policy permanently. Was that mostly down to the fact that um, you mentioned earlier the, the pathology system is, is robust in a lot of ways, but really buckled under the pressure of the Omicron wave across Australia, especially along the East Coast? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was in large part that. And, I, and, and maybe a lot of people in government didn't see there was a problem up until that point. But mm. also, I think there was a, an unwillingness to engage with the rapid test. Uh, manufacturers to discuss rapid testing as an alternative because the public policy was rapid testing is not good and that was you know their official policy up until up until quite late last year what do you think some of the flow-on effects of such widespread use of of rapid testing around covid uh, you know slowly as we see more hiv rapid testing what do you think think some of the flow-on effects are of that i I think it's i I think it's gonna be hard to predict exactly what what the you know, what the landscape looks like post-pandemic, but clearly things have changed in terms of how people think about their health. I think there's less reliance on facilities and clinics. I I think people realise that, you know, when there's an infectious disease circulating, clinics and hospitals are not the safest place to necessarily be, and that obviously impacts testing more broadly. We're seeing that not just for HIV, but, you know, cancer detection rates are down because people are screening less. You know, there's going to be a whole knock-on impact for, from less diagnostics outside of COVID. Uh, so, so I think, you know, we need to, as a, as a society, think about how we can deliver healthcare into the home more effectively and more cost effectively. And I think home-based testing is going to be a part of that. And certainly now everyone understands that you can test at home and you can monitor your health at home accurately and reasonably and, you know, engage with your doctor when you need to, rather than have your doctor do everything the way you know, we were told that was how the system had to be, you know, even three or four years ago. John Kelly from Atomo Diagnostics, thank you so much for joining us uh, on Well, Well, Well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. 
go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.